You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So Shannon, by way of disclaimer, right off the top of the show, I've got to let you know, um, there's some work going on at my house right outside the wall of the recording studio of Sexy Marriage Radio, and uh, there could be some uh, noises coming along. Yeah, some some random, I'm building a pool before Shannon noises. That's exactly what we're doing, and that's why we're doing it, is I want to get a pool before Shannon. No. Well, you know, whatever it takes. You've got so many books, I at least I can get a pool. How's that? <laughs> well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for joining us every time that you uh, invite us into your world. We are honored, and we love that, that you invite us in and send us emails and tell us what's going on and ask us questions and give us thoughts and even send praises like this one that says, I found your program earlier this year, and I love it, and I've been binging ever since. I'm almost caught up, and so my question is, now what? I guess I go back to the beginning because they're worth it. I mean, Aww. Yeah, that's a great comment. I, that's, <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to get more of us than what we're putting out there. We're, we're working as hard as we can. <laughs> sure. I, I love being in popular demand. Yes, that is a nice feature. Um, so, okay. Uh, yeah, I just have to say, though, Corey, I don't want feedback emails that says, we're putting in a pool, too, because that's oh. just like a twisting of the knife. Every, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Uh, well, I'll I'll welcome them. So send those to Corey at <laughs> Simple Marriage. No, okay. So I think it's worth noting uh, along the lines of work that's going on. Uh, that's where we're going today. Just because we yeah. talked about last week's was um, the long distance relationship, and typically that's associated with work. But what right. happens when you're married to a workaholic and they don't even travel? You know, they're not gone, but they're gone. Well, and probably what's worse is if they work from home and they're there, but they're never there. That would be like you know, pouring salt in the wound of my I'm here in body, but I'm not even making eye contact with you for hours and hours and hours yeah. at a time. Yeah. Workaholism, that, that can be a, 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 it can feel like a, a painful sting. Yeah. You know, of just what is it about your work that is so much more appealing to you than me? That that has to be what goes through the spouse's mind. And I would think that it's a universal, whether it's a male who's a workaholic and the wife is at home going, what about me? Or whether it's the guy, I mean, because you have said that when Pam is entrenched in tax season, it's hard not to feel marginalized. Yeah. It, and and that's where I think we, we probably have to set the framework for this. I mean, because that's where a lot of times, if you think about it with our shows, when they, when, especially when they come straight from emailers and from listeners, because this is what this is coming from. This was an emailer. She talked about, you know, they've been there. There, sh- there should be a twelve-step group for this. <laughs> you know, is what she's asking for, <laughs> because um, it's it's in a situation where she's actually even heard when she's confronted her husband about the fact that he's so busy with work and grad school, and you know, because it's not necessarily just work. It could be all lots of different things that take you where you're choosing other than family other than spouse and so i think it's you have to we have to set the context because there's so many variances to this uh i I believe fully that a lot of times there's dynamics that that's where i want to talk about because those are the natural part of every relationship 
and they play out differently depending on the, the situation. But there's a difference between, in my mind, the couple that got together. You know, it's like, okay, let's say this. You meet some guy, and he's in, in med school. Mm. And then you're complaining about, and then you're complaining about residency time. It's like, hold on, you knew going this is in, what you signed up right? For. You knew going in that was going to be part of the deal. And and a lot of times we'll have rose-colored glasses, you know, in the sense of, oh, but I can handle it until you really get into it. I have that thing, that same mindset, you know, come may, late March when it's busy season with mm-hmm. with my wife because it's the whole, I know going in, but yeah. doesn't mean I like it. Yeah, you especially know that anything between April 1st and April 14th, it's probably just right. not going to happen. Uh, and Corey, before we move on, I want to I want to give an acknowledgement to an email that we got that that um, called our attention to that expression. This is what you signed up for our last show with the military spouses uh, that that when they hear that expression, it can really be a pouring of salt in the wound. And I totally get that. So let me just yes, say, I agree. It, 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 it's it's easy for us to think that and say that, but living that out is a very different reality. And once again, we just want to say thank you for your sacrifice to our country. We yes. totally acknowledge that we nobody on the planet has a clue what military spouses right. go through, right. uh, even when they did know what they were signing up for. Bless their hearts. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, it, in the, it's even in the same lines as what we're talking about with this. If you know going in what you're signing up for, quote unquote, that doesn't mean it's good. That doesn't mean there's not dark times to it. That doesn't, you know, it's, I'm not, I don't say that in a, in a manner to try to diminish any of it. it you know, if, if nothing else, I just want to talk about reality of it. And I think that's where we've got to, that's where we've got to land with this because when you get caught in a situation, where you are married to a workaholic, or you could probably even lump in you're married to a work slash hobby aholic. There you, you know, go. Because a busy aholic. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just somebody that's constantly doing other things. And so they're never there. And if they are there, they're not there. Um, right. So it's it is a really, really tough gridlock position to be yeah. in. Yeah. It reminds me of a season of our lives, and this is what we signed up for. We just were uh, overwhelmed by the impact that it had on our relationship at the time. When we moved from Dallas out to Lindell, Texas, it was about an hour and 20 minutes. Greg continued working in downtown Dallas at Baylor and would commute back and forth. And uh, we moved out to 100 acres of land. And so when he got home, there was a lot to do on the land. And so it was basically he would leave at the crack of dawn and sometimes he didn't get home until the sun had already set if it was winter time. And so I rarely ever saw him except for when he was showering or, or going to bed or, you know, eating a quick bite of breakfast before he left out or whatever. And so it was really during that season though, that I developed my own passions and started speaking more to young women and started uh, taking those lecture notes and turning it into a manuscript. And that was when my book writing career started and so I just really want to encourage the spouses, rather than being resentful uh, that you don't get your husband or wife's undivided attention nearly as much as you'd like to, cultivate your own passions and and develop a rich, rewarding life for yourself such that there aren't as many resentments. Because I think okay. that if you're sitting on the couch waiting and waiting and waiting for that spouse to come and fill you up, it, it, it's going to be a lot harder than it needs to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. I just want to clarify that and I think I can step on you with this one that 
I think it's it's not an either or. It's not rather than carry resentment. It's right. it's both. You know, sure. You know, it's how you cope with the resentment. Right, you're gonna have some of that frustration of wait, 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 wait. You are not here. What is the right. deal? You know how, and that's where if you and have you're entitled to those feelings, right? So if you can have something that you are focusing on, because I got to think a lot of times that when you get the people that are in this situation, that it's the setup of okay, I'm now single parenting it is what I feel like I'm doing. And so some of it is I just want a release of burden of that. And so maybe a way to help alleviate some of it that takes some of the burden off of all of the arrows that go towards workaholic spouse, find a peer group, a group that you can start you know, unloading some of the burden. You could do some uh, uh, daycare swap, you know, babysitting swapping. With another single parent, <laughs> here, here, let right. me have your kids because I don't know if you're. I mean, this may not work with every every family, but with me, whenever somebody says, "Hey, can we bring a kid over?" You know, it's a friend of our kids. I'm like, absolutely, because that means my kids will be entertained, so they won't be asking me for things. I can actually just sit and watch a TV show or something, and it's like, uh, and it's not likely I'm gonna get a interrupted because they'll be playing and having a blast. And so it's almost easier. Right. I remember during those small sections, if I had to do it for a long, long haul overnight, that kind of stuff, that's a little different because I all of a sudden I'm dealing with routines and preferences. And so there's ways that maybe you could broaden it. And that helps you as a person find time for you, which is what you're talking about of your passions, your desires, your interests, and even just your own self-care, right? you know, take advantage of an opportunity to decompress and read a book or take a bubble bath or, you know, like have your own, you know, friends and, and hobbies and things like that. But I know that that's no substitute for marital intimacy and the cravings right. that, that we all have for that closeness and connection with our spouse. Those feelings are so legitimate and no one should ever be belittled because they have those. Because the reality is it's the biggest compliment in the world for your spouse to say, I want more of you. That is a compliment. That is not an offense. We, we just need to hear it as that. Right. And, and so this leads then to the discussion I think we have to have some time on of how do we empower the spouse of a workaholic to better address the system? Because that's... I don't know if, I mean, you. we have to focus on what we are responsible for, mm-hmm. which to me is, is just mm-hmm. myself. And so I have to focus there. I cannot mm-hmm. have the delusion that I am in control of the system, mm-hmm. meaning I have control of my partner and their choices as well. I don't. So I right. need to focus on what I'm responsible for. And so if I can keep the lens that way, now, all of a sudden, maybe the manner in which I approach my workaholic spouse changes. Maybe now I have a little more weight behind me, to, or I'm standing on my own two feet and actually inviting them to really have to make a decision about do I want to work more <laughs> or not. You know, because sometimes there's, there's lots of different things that could be going on. You know, you can have the situation where it's the meaning of what people are doing, you know, because you can have the times where. Um, the workaholic partner, let's just say it's the husband, and then he's he's on this career path, 
and it and it requires just more and more and more and more. And in his mind, he's one, not 100%, but a bulk of why he's doing what he's doing and putting himself through it is for the family. Right. 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 So it's geared towards As spouse. a provider. Right. It's geared towards because I want you to have what we've dreamed of or to experience. And then the other partners can easily be sitting there saying, yeah, but it's not worth it if you're not a part of it. You know, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to be married to a bank account. I want to be married to a spouse. And so there's, there's dilemmas on both sides. And so that's where I think I have to focus on mine. Um, let me give right. you the example that I use with Pam. And I think I've probably said this on the show before. I don't, uh, maybe I haven't, but when it comes to busy season, cause this was even mentioned in the, in the email that, I know what it is and I'll pick up a whole bunch of stuff extra and but I what what I want is time with her still. And so I know when I lose my cork over frustration and you know the weight of stuff and the schedule, I'll tell her straight out, I know we can't change the dynamic. I'm not I'm not saying I want you to leave at 5, you know, on April 13th. Yes, I know that's not going to happen. It's not realistic for her job. <laughs> I mean, that's what she yeah. signed up for. That's what she wants to do because right. now, as we're recording this now, we get the benefit. I mean, she's coming home at lunch, going to have lunch with the kids. She's helping out some friends. She's home this afternoon. Yeah. We're going to work out, you know. So it's just this whole, hey, that's – I get it. But what I've done is just pleaded my case in the sense of save me 10 minutes at the end of mm. the day when you shut off the laptop. Because she she tries to make a point of being home for kids' bedtime, and then she gets back to working on taxes, and so I just ask her, give me ten minutes to just have a conversation with you before we right. go back to bed. Because once we hit right. the bed, she's out. You know when she's when mentally exhausted. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a dilemma that I, I can't change the system, but I can confront it better. Right, and, and how great that really eight months out of the year. There's a lot of balance to those. Yeah, four not quite because there's second busy season, but it's not near like the first. But it's still. Yeah. But I think it's yeah, also por- it's cyclical, right? But it's also important to note what do you do, and this is where we need to circle back because I want to hear your thoughts for a second. But we need to come back to what do you do when you're married to somebody that's basically flat out said, "Nah, <laughs> you know that work is too important." You know, school it's Ouch. it's more important right now, or this right. is more important right now or and so we need to come back to that because that's that's the yeah. specific question from our emailer yeah um it reminds me of a couple things Corey. um like i distinctly remember uh when aaron was like four and matthew was one i was offered a full ride scholarship to smu to work on my master's in divinity or counseling or i don't remember which one it was at the time but anyway uh all of the p- puzzle pieces fell into place perfectly for me to have tuition and books covered between the college and my church that was going to kind of sponsor me. Nice. But one weekend right before I was supposed to, you know, really dive into the, you know, full blown process of getting registered and all that. I just really sensed God saying, well, it was a vision that came to me that it was just kind of a, a nest with baby birds in it. And I really sensed God saying your baby birds are too little for you to leave the nest. And that if you were to take this on, it's going to consume you for the next three to five years. And you're going to miss these really precious years because I'm sorry, but any mom who has children under the age of five years old, 
you need to understand those first five years are so pivotal in their personal development. And so I went back home crying, saying to Greg, I really think that God's telling me not to, to do grad school, not just to give up this scholarship. And he was like, well, why are you crying? And, and I said, I think it's because I'm relieved. And so I didn't do grad school until after both my kids were in elementary school. And I did wind up paying for it out of pocket through Liberty, but I've never, ever regretted that because things like that can always be done later. So you need to really ask yourself, am I counting the cost here? Because if you're working or you're a full-time stay-at-home parent, and then you add something like grad school, or even just committing to like a church committee or a school committee or something like that, that's going to really eat a lot of your time, you need to really slow down and consider, is this really going to be worth it in the long run? Or is this something that I can table until a later season when it's easier to manage it all? Right. Because everything we do has a cost. Everything, and I think Every, we have to yes. we have to acknowledge Means a that a lot of no's, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, that's the whole idea. Because I think of the times where, like, and I believe that this is from the email as well. That the times where you know a, a partner's working full time plus they're doing school because they're bettering themselves for a better career, better it's going to set them up for something. That I, I I get it. I mean, education opens doors. That I, sure. I completely understand it. I mean, I went. We're very pro education. <laughs> I did. I did the PhD to open doors. I yeah. mean, that's that's part of why I wanted to be an expert in a field. But I also right. know it opens doors to a lot of other things. So yeah, you wanted the doctor before your name. I get well, it. It helps sexy marriage radio. I mean, it just yeah. So it's it's recognizing though that me choosing those things is at a cost, not just financially. Right. That that means okay, Pam, I'm not going to be around. And and or or I'm going to have to do this because if you're doing school, then you're not talking about necessarily physical absence all the time. You're also talking about, okay, I have to have some time to study. And depending on the nuances of the way you operate, I can study on a busy train. I mean, I I could I could study at a ball game. I'm (laughs) I'm that kind of a guy that it's just I don't need quiet. My wife, you know, Pam. She has to have library silence, you know, yeah. to focus. And so it's just, okay, so she would have to disappear to study for the CPA exam or anything she had going on. I could sit out there with her watching a movie and study, you know. So so it's just, it's different, but we have to recognize that if you're married to somebody that is basically saying or has said, this is more important. You're in a tough spot. I don't know if that right. necessarily means it's the end of something, but you need to figure out how do I want to address the gridlock issue I am facing so that it's the best in me addressing it, not reacting. Right, to it. right. And and I think a key question that we need to ask ourselves when we are feeling that sting of marginalization, if that is that a word? Marginalization? It That's works. A really long word. It works. <laughs> See, I don't even have a PhD and I use really long words. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, you, we have to ask ourselves the question, is this pain from the current situation? It, like, you know, if it is a temporary situation, okay, he's going to be nose to the grindstone for two to three years, but it's for the long-term betterment of my family or our family. Or is it, this is ripping a scab off of an old wound? Because I know that there are a lot of people on the planet who feel as if their mom or their dad or both were workaholics and rarely ever had time for them. And they got the proverbial pat on the head as the parent was walking in to set down the briefcase, but they really didn't get a lot more than that. And so 
I can see how this would really rip a scab off of that old wound if workaholism was a part of your original family dynamic and you were the one that felt slighted by that. Sure. It, and and it comes down to how – I mean, sometimes – and this is an ultimatum speak, but it's close. I mean, because it's, it's the whole idea of, hold on, here's the message I'm getting from you. Here's what you've said. I mean, because I'm just trying to think of how to empower the listener who is the spouse of a workaholic. And this is specifically for the listener who is a spouse of a workaholic who has flat out said or intimated very clearly, this is more important than you. And, you know, this is, this is, this is more important than family. So the, the main thing I think of is you have to come at that head on before you could ever react and decide. And you have to be able to come forward and just say, this is the message I'm getting from you. This is what is, I'm hearing. This, right. Is this a correct message or is but, this? Sure. It can be asking for clarification. I'm not so much as concerned about that as I am. This is the message I'm getting from you. Therefore, this is what I'm heading towards. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I mean, because we take influence from people that we care about. And so it's almost I've got to call into question, you know, because it is that whole. When I when I left the ministry, um, there was some conversation Pam and I had about me going back to do med school even because I was like, that sounds, you know, I, I, that mm -hmm. would be an interesting thing. I think I could do that. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. And. And plus the financial possibilities of, you know, there's lots of pluses sure. and, and Pam's response to it is that, okay, I get it. I'm not willing to put up with residency when we're probably about that time going to be starting a family. Because mm. that would have been about the time frame we were talking because we'd had lots of different themes and plans on mm -hmm. threads that we were thinking of. And I'm like, that's completely fair, baby. I Good get point. It. I get it. Yep. Thank you for speaking your truth. And so mm -hmm. then that meant wrestling a little bit. And it wasn't anything I was really gung-ho about. You know, if I was, that would have been a bigger crucible decision for me, <laughs> you know. Right, but, right. But it's still, I mean, so like if you, get the, if you get the spouse who's saying you're never here and their response to it is, to, the response to, the, to that partner is, yeah, but I will be. You know, then that's where I think you come back with, okay, you have said this before. And then this came into the picture. And then this came into the picture. Because the reality is, when we live extremely busy lives, there's a reason we're doing it. Right. Right. And just asking, is there something else that can be scraped off the plate? Because uh, I also remember when we were living in Dallas, Greg was on a softball team. that They practiced a couple nights a week, and then they had games a couple nights a week, and sometimes they had tournaments that lasted all freaking weekend. And here I am with these two little kids trying to keep them from falling off the bleachers and busting their head open. And, and it just got to be too much. And I had to be the one to say, this is more than I can handle. Softball can wait until our kids are old enough to, to, to manage yeah. themselves in the yeah. bleachers. And he did. He left it for a season. And I yeah. was very, very grateful. Um, a couple of other thoughts, Corey. I, I read a book last year called Addicted to Busy. And it was really insightful about how oftentimes we are looking to prop up our own self-esteem by just being busy. It, it's like a badge of honor yeah. these days. How yeah, do you that's do what it? comes oh, to my mind. Right? Yeah. Crazy busy, crazy busy. Just yeah. trying to keep my nose above the waterline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we really do need to ask ourselves, is it that we are trying to find a sense of our own self-esteem in something other than 
who we are in Christ and who we are in relationship to our spouse and our family and just from within. Because if we're trying to get it through accomplishments and busyness and status of what position we play on a particular committee or whatever, Mm -hmm. then we're going to be spinning our wheels our entire life because that that will not fill that bucket at all. Right. Um, And the other uh, thing that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, my daughter had her big final art exhibit uh, to finish her. Now she is Erin Etheridge MFA, which there's been a lot of debate in our family as to what that stands for. I'm sure that your mind can imagine. (laughs) Exactly. That's not the most appealing initials after a name. Yeah. Yeah. But but at her final art show, there was this amazing live sculpture that she'd created where she had these two girls um, that were basically, they look like twins. And they were soaking gauze in plaster. And it would have been one thing if they were wrapping each other, each other's limbs and like healing each other with this. But instead of putting it on each other, they were wrapping it around both of them, kind of like a three-legged race. And then they just continued to where by the end of the sculpture, two hours later, they are totally enmeshed in this just big pile of gauze. And, And it was basically an illustration of enmeshment yeah. of how we get so yeah. wrapped up in our identity based on another person's feelings toward us and responses toward us. And so I think that we as spouses to of a workaholic do need to ask ourselves, how much of this is that I have to have my spouse's undivided attention to feel a sense of my own worthiness? And, and can I kind of kind of create a balance in my life to where I mean, Corey, I know that you talk a lot about how the problem in marriage isn't that you aren't close enough. The problem in marriage sometimes is that you're too freaking close. Right, You need space between you. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, just questions. I I don't know that this is really hard for the, for both spouses to hear if they are the workaholic or if they're married to the workaholic, I I know that it's a painful thing and there've been seasons where it went back and forth. I mean, there've been times where I had a book deadline Greg didn't see a whole lot of me. I would literally have to go away on a writing sabbatical for days at a time. Um, and and so, you know, I, I think that you're right. If it's a temporary thing and and there's going to be reunion around the corner, that's one thing. But if it's just a lifestyle that's been created and you expect your spouse to pretty much just live as a single parent, there's a problem. Right. And those resentments are going to continue to build. Right, because we have to recognize that time is a finite thing. And, and that's, we actually, a lot of the world we live in is there's finite things, especially relationships. Mm-hmm. There, there's a finiteness to it. And so it's understanding that I need to be able to come at my partner sometimes and, and be able to say to them, I, I, I'm willing to put up with this for a season or mm-hmm. for X. But after that, we need to have some serious conversations. We need to have... I need to see some differences because this is not the type of relationship I want. This is not the type of marriage I want. This is not the type of family I want. I don't want a family where there's an absent parent, you know, right. or because it means different to me. I think of um, the book. There's a book that came out within the last year or so. Um, it might be two years called Essentialism. The guy's name is Greg McCown. And it's, yeah. the, it's the disciplined pursuit of less. It's a fantastic read, and he's a very, very good researcher and and writer. Mm. And and he talks about, before he wrote this book, he was looking back at kind of that, it was starting to make sense to him on this whole concept that he was a project manager or something at his job, and as often happens, the boss comes and just drops more in his lap. 
you know, here, I need another, here's another project. And so he actually figured out how he could go back to his boss and say, okay, I can do this, but which one of my current projects would you like for me to do less well so I can do this one well? Because I only have a finite amount of resources of, of what I can do. And, and I think that's, what, that's a way, that's a framework we can a- address marriage of, right. hey, I get it that this is busy and I get it that grad school is going to take a lot. And I get it because Pam and I had those conversations about, okay, babe, because I did six years of full-time school for the PhD, master's and PhD. And so there were some semesters that were much more involved than others. And so I was able to tell her, hey, this one's going to be a rough one. You know, mm-hmm. or this one's a little lesser. I got, forever. yeah, I got it. So it's just that whole. She was able to tell me straight out. Okay, hey, I get it. We both know going in, this is the plan. And as it evolves, you know, it's it's like all I can do is say, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I want. And as it unfolds, I'll address it more, if I need to. I don't have to set up the playbook right now. Sometimes yeah. I just need to be clear about where I am right now, and then I'll address it as it unfolds. Yeah. Uh, Another thought that comes to my mind, Corey, is I know that a lot of times busy simply means you want to earn more. You want to make more so that you can buy more and have more. I'm a big, big believer in the Dave Ramsey plan. We have often said Dave Ramsey saved our marriage of, of, you know, get out of debt, stay out of debt. You don't need more. More does not mean a more fulfilling life. It means more responsibility. More stuff you own, the more it owns you. Exactly. That's what I said about those hundred acres of land is that we didn't own that land. That land owned us. And I had asked Greg one time, what's the best thing we've ever done for our marriage? And he acknowledged selling that land, getting off of Cross Creek, moving into Tyler, downsizing, getting out of debt totally. Uh, That was the best thing. And so live modestly because the time that you have to invest in your marriage and in your family, that is far more precious than any money you can have in the bank or any house or car boat or anything like that. And I also love what Esther Perel talks about how um, marriage in this day and age is totally different. It represents something totally different than what it historically represented. Historically, it was a matter of domestic partnership to just survive and live off the land and, and raise the children. But marriage was not expected to be where you got your emotional needs met. It wasn't expected to be where you got your self-esteem from. It wasn't expected to be this passionate romantic endeavor that we've made it that in this day and age. Right. And so there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure and it's going to require intentional time and effort to, to live up to a spouse's expectations of what they perceive marriage should be. Yeah. And so this comes down to, cause this is the takeaway. Let's kind of wrap it up with this is my thought and add whatever you want to this. But the, the, the takeaway to me is it comes down to how do I address the life that's in front of me on real terms, uh, you know, life on life terms, on, on reality, that I'm, I'm with a workaholic partner. So I'm in a, I'm in a crucible, if you will, that, that produces a lot of pressure for both of us. And so how do I address straight out, okay, you're telling me that this that you're doing is more important than me. Is, are you sure you want to tell me that? <laughs> you know, are you sure <laughs> that's the message you want to send? Because think of how hurtful that is. Think of how, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? How am I supposed, you know, that kind of, you could, there's lots of different things you could do. But the whole goal is don't react to that. Digest it and then figure out what do I need to do. Respond right. instead of react. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, that's all I can do. Because life mm-hmm. on life terms and the way I term it, then marriage on marriage terms is I make a move 
and I see where I am and how my partner responds. And then they make their move, and then I respond, and I make my move. I mean, that's the way it goes. It's a step at a time. Yeah, yeah. And and the only thing I would add to that, Corey, I mean, I totally agree with everything that you said. Uh, I would say that in those blocks of time where you do feel as if your partner's off doing something else, this is an opportunity that you have. This is freedom to in time and Possibly, energy yes. to invest in a direction that you would enjoy. And there are a lot of spouses that would give their right arm for that, but they feel as if they don't have that freedom. So take advantage Maybe. of what you, yeah. the opportunity you have in front of your face. Yeah, and that's where you might have to go a little bit more of the village mindset and bring in friends to help because yeah. spouse isn't there to help. I mean, yes. single parents do it that are truly yeah. single parents, you know, that the kids are bounced right. back and forth, or even if it's just one where the kids that were the other parents is completely out of the picture. It's just, there's still a village mindset, a church community, a neighborhood community, a, there's, there's even places that are adventure kids lands that you can just drop them off, you know, for <laughs> to, to, uh, an hour or two. And so it's it utilize the resources that are available. And, and maybe that helps give you a little more well-roundedness. And when you then present that to a partner now that partner has something that they risk losing Mm -hmm. which maybe changes the dynamic between you that's yeah very cool i like that i mean that's it's not the easiest thing to do i get it but But it's it's, empowering but it's the way we have to do it i think Yeah. yeah well this has been sexy marriage radio thanks for taking some time out to spend it with us yep we love you for listening If you've benefited from this podcast, consider becoming a member of the Bed Buddy Club. Your financial support will help take Sexy Marriage Radio to the next level and enable Corey and Shannon to strengthen many other couples. Learn more at SexyMarriageRadio.com by clicking on the purple button.